Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author-illustrator Katie Green, whose graphic memoir, Lighter Than My Shadow, recounts her struggles with and recovery from an eating disorder. The graphic memoir arrives in October from Lion Forge, which is sponsoring this podcast. Uh, thanks for speaking with me, Katie. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So I believe this book was published a few years ago uh, in the UK, uh, where you are, uh, four years ago, I think. Has it been at all strange to revisit it several years after it first made its way out into the world? It has been very weird, <laughs> in a lovely kind of way. It's really nice that it's kind of getting a renewed interest in a new life, kind of, but it is sort of unexpected. I'd kind of dealt with all of the publicity adventures and moved on, and here we are again. But it's nice. On your website, you mentioned that this book was essentially uh, 12 years in the making. And of course, this is a book about about your life and your history with anorexia. At what point did you start working on it? And I guess under what circumstances, too? Um, I, there's no short answer to that question, unfortunately. I kind of had the idea to create the book when I was first diagnosed with anorexia because I was really disappointed in the other books that I found. I really kind of I didn't find something that I really connected with I kind of found ones that told you that recovery was going to be you know just change your mind think positive and everything will be okay or the ones that told you that you'd be stuck with this illness at the back of your mind forever and I wasn't really happy with either of those as an outcome so I felt like I had to create something that would kind of sit somewhere in the middle that was honest about how horrible and traumatic and hard it was but also hopeful. So I kind of started thinking about it really early in my recovery and just, it, it never went away. And uh, did you know from the outset that this was going to be a story that was going to be told visually? It was going to be a graphic memoir uh, versus a memoir written uh, in prose? Definitely not, actually. I initially imagined it as a prose book. I didn't, um, I was that person who thought that comics were for people who couldn't read and um, I was very anti-picture books for people older than a certain age and I kind of was writing it in prose for several years before I had a breakthrough moment and read my first comic. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it was like discovering a whole new language that was perfect for the story that I wanted to tell. Hmm. Well, do you remember what it was that sort of was that breakthrough moment or that discovery that you suddenly realized, oh, this is how this story, this is how I want to tell it? I walked into a children's bookstore and picked up The Red Tree by Sean Tan, which is a children's picture book. Uh, well, I'd say it's children's, it's not really for children, it's kind of about depression, I think, but it really kind of changed my whole world, really. As the book was coming together, and were you specifically thinking of a young audience, of a teenage audience, necessarily? I mean, it certainly seems like a book that's equally well-suited to adults and teenagers alike. Um... I have to be honest and say I wasn't really thinking about any audience at all other than the book I wish had been there for me. So I guess probably teens, but it's tricky because the book obviously touches on sexual abuse as well and some people think that that's not really a suitable subject matter for younger people. But I kind of, you know, I, I gave a lot of thought to whether I included that part of the story or not and concluded that I had to be honest because it was part of my experience. I couldn't really leave it out. But I also think it's really important to talk about that kind of stuff with young people. And you, you mentioned that 
you were first starting to think about this book while you were sort of early on in the process of recovery. Is that coupled with, I guess, just the intensity and how personal the material is part of the reason that it took uh, the time it did for you to finish the book? And, and we should also say this book is, you know, 500 some pages. There's a, there's quite a bit of art you had to, to create for this book too. <laughs> there was quite a bit. Um, I guess there was a lot of, um, how do I explain this? So it was, the story was evolving as I was thinking that I wanted to write the book. So I had the idea of writing the book way before any of the abuse even happened. So that kind of part of the story unfolded long after the idea of writing it. So I kind of had to figure out how that fitted into the picture. Um, and it was also a process of developing how I wanted to tell the story. I wanted, I knew it was going to be a big thing and I wanted it to be right. So I kept starting and restarting and restarting and I didn't kind of officially start until, let me see, 2009? And I finished it in 2013. So four years of officially working on it with a publishing contract and the view of it coming out into the world. But there were many years of preparation before that. And can you talk a bit about the artwork? Um, you know, what materials were you using? And is the, the look of your, the cartooning and, and the style of art you, you brought to the project, is that something that evolved with time as well? Yeah, definitely. I did a lot of experiments and mixed media and trying out different approaches and kind of came back to just pen and ink, which felt right. So the kind of textures and colors in the background are all created digitally. The artwork is just a black line created on white paper. And the shading is added in Photoshop. It does strike me that a graphic format like this is is a very powerful way to tell a story like this because it really allows readers to see exactly how you were seeing yourself at, at various points in your life. Um, did you find it to be the case that sometimes it was easier to to draw something as opposed to trying to to spell it out in words? Yeah, definitely. I think visual metaphor gives you the perfect language for talking about mental illness because you can portray something that is completely real to you inside your own head but other people aren't able to see so it was a really just the perfect medium I don't know why it took me so long to realize that there's a lot of portraits of yourself in this book yeah <laughs> I think I counted them at one point yeah it was some are very you know some are I think realistic to you know perhaps how your family members might have seen you and what your body looked like some are you know very much in this world of how you were seeing yourself and um how difficult was it to, um, to, I guess, keep drawing and redrawing yourself, especially while you were in the midst of recovery at the same time? Yeah, I think after a while, I became kind of immune to it because I was just drawing it so many times over and over and over. Um, when I got to creating the final artwork of the book, I was definitely kind of further down the road in my recovery from anorexia. So it wasn't so painful to draw those bits. The abuse parts were much more difficult for me to draw. You know, it, it is also a very quiet book. Uh, there's dialogue, of course, and information that you're providing for readers' you know, backgrounds, but there's a lot of places in the book where the artwork is really doing just about all of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. As the book was taking shape, did you find yourself adding more text, cutting big amounts of it? Um, was this something that an editor or a director was maybe giving you input on? Yeah, I definitely, I, I worked really closely with my editor at Jonathan Cape all the way through the process of creating the book. He was instrumental in kind of helping me shape the story and the, the text. And my partner as well was an amazing proofreader and 
what we did as a team of three really was just take text away. We realised, you know, at all, almost every page there was something we could take away that the images could do it on their own. And, uh, you know, were there any particular changes to the book that you've been involved with as far as bringing it to the U.S. market? Or is the version that we'll see this fall essentially identical to you know, the, the previous version? It's essentially identical apart from some small linguistic changes that we felt would make it more, um, would help um, American teenagers feel empathized more with the main character. So things like American spellings or American turns of phrase, I was guided on what would be what would be more normal for an American person to say as opposed to a British person. But no more changes than that. And, you know, in the book itself, uh, the idea of creating art, you know, certainly comes through as something that has not only been something you've been interested in from a very young age, um, but also maybe something that ended up being sort of a lifeline of sorts. Is that something that you, is that how you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was really the idea that I wanted to create this book that kept me going in some of the hardest bits of recovery so if I can't I can't die and then make the book I have to not die so that I can make the book it's really kind of what kept me going and I think I also saw online that you have some what I think are more recent comics about um, knitting and also providing a certain creative outlet or as well is that something that you're kind of actively still doing yeah very much so still um still knitting still drawing Anything creative is, I find, really helpful, really therapeutic. And, you know, the book certainly makes it clear that recovery is a very long, slow, and, and difficult road. Um, what, I know you said this was the book that you wished maybe that had been there for you when you needed it. What do you hope that readers, whether or not, I guess, they have a, an eating disorder, are some of the things they might take away or, or come to understand after reading it? Um, I guess if it's someone who's struggling with a similar experience themselves I would love them to feel like they're not alone in what they're struggling with I think that's one of the things that I found most painful when I was unwell was feeling like nobody understood what I felt like so if I could give somebody some small experience of feeling like there's someone out there who understands that would be amazing and I guess for in the more general people reading it just to have an understanding of what these experiences are like. You know, I think both eating disorders and abuse are very misunderstood in our society. I certainly misunderstood anorexia before I was diagnosed with it. And um, I think that we still have a long way to go to change what people think about it. Well, certainly um, you know, a lot in there about, you know, uh, therapists with varying degrees of um, effectiveness, but then also even just the way that sort of uh, offhanded comments, uh, you know, about a person's body or metabolism or, you know, can just sort of begin to internalize uh, ideas about what one eats and how one looks. Um, you know, I, I'm also curious, you know, the idea of control and discipline come up again and again in, in the book. Is that uh, something that you realized was, I guess, very tied to your to your experience with anorexia? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, writing the book kind of brought it home to me all over again I guess it takes a certain kind of discipline to draw a 500 page graphic memoir <laughs> it kind of brought up a few thoughts and behaviours that were a bit painfully familiar so it was definitely an education in that respect as well you know since the book has been out for a bit of time in in the UK um, what has the reaction been like to it so far both from people who are close to you but also from you know readers who maybe have reached out to you over the past couple of years 
I've had just amazing responses from readers. I think the thing that has surprised me and humbled me the most is hearing from parents who have said this book helped me understand my son or my daughter or my niece or my nephew or somebody close to them. It's really amazing. Um, I don't really talk to my friends and family about it. It's a bit weird. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to say about that. <laughs> it's a little awkward. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in, in the book you describe, you know, basically wanting to illustrate books for children for a very long time. Are there other uh, creative projects that not with this with this book under your belt that you're sort of turning your attention to? Um, yes, but nothing I'm really ready to talk about yet. Things are a bit nebulous still. Sorry, that's not a very satisfying answer for you. And then um, as far as this fall goes with the release of the book, are there any um, any, any particular plans on your end? Uh, I'm not sure if you're coming to the US or not or anything like that. I would very much love to. I hope so, but I'm not sure at this stage. Very good. Well, um, congratulations again on the book and uh, thanks for taking time to speak with me. Thank you so much. Once again, I've been speaking with Katie Green, whose memoir, Lighter Than My Shadow, is out in October from Lion Forge. Thank you for listening to PW Kidscast. Cast.